0: And let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I want you to simply ask God to give you eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand what the Spirit's speaking. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. Lord, we ask you to touch every heart and life in this place today. Lord, we've come here together to lift up the name of Jesus and to worship you and for above all else, for your will to be wrought as we gathered here today to give you honor, praise, and glory for the sacrifice of your holy child, Jesus. Lord, it's not because you live, but it's because you died and was resurrected that we have what we have in you. Let everything be done for your honor, your praise, and your glory. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. I'm glad to see everyone in the house of the Lord today and appreciate the Lord. And, you know, I'm just going to uh go by the leadership of the Spirit of God, which I try to do every week, but all week I've sought the Lord and the Lord hadn't given me any particular direction, where to go or what to do, and, but, uh. I know there's got to be a returning back to prayer. That's what the Lord dealt with me about. If y'all listen to the radio broadcast this evening. I mean, there's been great messages preached. You can prophesy people that ignore prophecy. You can have healings. You can have miracles. It doesn't seem to move people. It's like people have become gospel-hardened. If you get people on their knees to sincerely seeking God, And that's what the Lord spoke to us back in January. He told me to start the first of February and start going to prayer every night. Me and my wife start going to prayer every night at eight o'clock, and the Lord instruct us pray for th- three things. He said, pray for the rulers of this world that are in power and authority, he said, make intercession for all men. And we've been praying for God to touch our nation. Give our president and the leaders of our country what it takes to bring peace. And that's what that's what Timothy wrote. And it's in Timothy, he said, and pray for all those kings and rulers, all that are in authority. We ain't just been praying for this nation, we've been praying for everybody. We've been praying for every ruler, we've been praying for that ruler over in North Korea, Them people in control in Iran. I'm going to tell you something. God is setting up a revival and a restoring of the Holy Ghost like fell at Pentecost. And we don't need war. We don't need upsetness. We don't need the earth in war when God starts moving in revival. We need peace. And He said in His Word that you may live a quiet and peaceable life. That's why He wants us to pray. And then we start, and then we'll uh, ask God. God, there was a harvest out there. Did Jesus not say, "Don't y'all can't keep saying four months, and then comes the harvest"? He said, "There's a harvest out there." He said, "The fields are white." He said, "Pray ye therefore that the Lord of Harvest would sent forth laborers into the harvest." So we've been praying for God to raise up laborers because. You don't have very many gifted ministers right now. I ain't talking about junk. I'm talking about people got the anointing of deliverance in their life. They can lay hands on a drug addict or speak to a drug addict and set them free. People that's got problems. People's spirits are broken. You know, the first thing Jesus said when he come out of that wilderness in Luke 4, after fasting those 40 days, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's anointed me to preach good tidings. That's to let you know there's salvation for your sins. He said to mend the brokenhearted, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind. And to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. I don't know if you, uh, y'all do any studying in the Old Testament, but every, I think it was every 49 years they had the year of Jubilee. All slaves were set free and all debts were forgiven under the law. And when Jesus came, he brought total deliverance. Soul, mind, and body. When I was on the evangelistic field, I was after 22 years. I preached 22 years in tents, auditoriums, missionary crusades. Anywhere the Lord had ordered my steps, I don't care if it's one or a hundred and one or a hundred and thousand and one. I stood before a hundred thousand in India. We had a missionary crusade over there in 94 in a town called Qambator. Fourteen acres of people packed them grounds out over there and they counted over a hundred thousand people and they spilled over into the streets. And they had to have riot police come in and clear the streets. I've seen the meetings get side of hand over there. And we've had uh 60,000 the last night of the meetings rush the platform. And I've seen riot police come in in shields and bamboo canes and have to beat the crowd back. One night they tore the platform down out from under us. And all they wanted was a touch from God. Do you ever read word? they tried to get to Jesus and they trod one upon another? Well, that's the way it is over there when they see miracles and they see something that'll set them free and change their lives, they'll climb over you. They'll climb over one another to get healed or get a touch from God. Because they're heathen, they've never seen the reality of God. There's a lot of people in this nation never seen the reality of God. But it's on the horizon. It's on the horizon. Don't think gonna change its prayer. So we've been praying for laborers. Show me where you got ministers now that are gifted and anointed of God that'll preach a straight, clean word. And God confirmed the word with signs and miracles followed. You don't find them. You find a bunch of junk. You find a bunch of entertaining flesh. You find a bunch of good preaching that will excite the flesh. I don't want to excite your flesh. And I don't want to entertain you. I want to preach something to get down in your soul. You know God's real. So we've been bombarding the heavens. And the last thing the Lord told us back in November of last year. The Lord spoke into my spirit, and He said, "A great and effectual door is opened unto me." And that's what Paul said. Well, Paul preached to the Gentiles. Paul, Paul didn't preach to the church. He didn't. He preached to the Gentiles. Peter was the apostle to the church. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, because he said in Galatians, uh, the first chapter, he said, "When it pleased God." When he separated me from my mother's womb to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And that's where Paul went. That's where God sent him. Paul, to my knowledge, never preached to the church. He might have exhorted to him, but he never preached to him. He went to the Gentiles. And the Lord spoke that scripture to me that Paul said. He said, A great and effectual door is open unto me. That was in November of last year. See if you can give me a little trouble, son of Phil. Like I'm down in a barrel. And about two weeks later, I remember the day because it was December the 13th and I was headed to Alabama. My mom lives over there. It was her 93rd birthday. And my wife had gone into a business that she frequents. Down there where we live. We live in Conyers, Georgia. And she had started talking to a lady. And the lady just broke and started crying. And my wife started talking to her about Jesus and the lady just stopped and looked at her. She said, I don't know you, Jesus. She said, I'm Buddhist. And he just took my wife by surprise. Woman been in this country 16 years. An immigrant from Vietnam. Nobody had ever talked to her about Jesus. My wife called me and told me about it. And I was driving. The second she told me what had happened, I broke, started crying. The voice of the Lord spoke to me. said, there's you Gentiles. There's you Gentiles. I, that's good. I got to check checking, there's over 60 million immigrants in our nation. Some of them legal, some of them illegal. I don't care when it comes to salvation. I don't care if they're legal or illegal. I want to see them saved. And there's over 60 million people that have immigrated to our country. Probably the last 30, 40 years. And the Lord told me, he said, they they move among us, they work among us, they shop among us, they eat among us. But when it comes to their religion, he said, they're in closed societies. He said, they're bound by darkness and idolatry. He said, you can talk to them. He said, but their religion's got them blocked off. He said, these doors got to be open. These walls got to come down. So there's a great and effectual door that's opening among the Gentiles. You just might as well get ready for it. We founded a church in Fort Payne, Alabama in 2000. In one, no, it was 2000. And the Lord told me to leave it in 2015 and come up here and start another church. And the brother that's pastoring the church over there now, when we left in 2015, he started talking to some Chinese people. They run a restaurant downtown. He went in and witnessed to him, talked to him, They kept telling him, we're coming to church, we're coming to church, we're coming to church. Well, I want you to know about two weeks after the Lord had that encounter with my wife, with that Vietnamese lady, a family of Chinese people walked in that church in Fort Payne after that man talking to them for two and a half, nearly three years. And now, they come to him, told him, said, we don't know about Jesus. We don't know how to worship your Jesus He said, you're going to have to teach us. He said, but we fled China because of persecution. He said, we was trying to learn about Jesus in China. And said, persecution come. And said, we had to flee for our lives. And he said, now, we want you to teach us how to pray. And we want you to teach us about Jesus. Can you imagine those kind of people in our nation? As much, as many churches, and as many people supposed to be preaching. There's people... Right here, locked up in closed societies. Sometimes we'll leave the house and we'll go, uh, see my oldest daughter. She lives about 30 minutes down the road. On the way by there, we pass a, uh, some kind of Indian Hindu temple. And every time I go by that thing, I curse it in the name of Jesus. I curse that thing. I tell God, I said, you close it down and you tear down them walls of darkness. You tear down them walls of idolatry. And you open the door. Because I preach to them people and they pray to gods that can't see, they pray to gods that can't hear, they pray to gods that don't even exist. They're just made up in people's imaginations. People need to know a true and a living God. Amen. And prayer's what's gonna do it. Nothing else, prayer. People turn into prayer and seeking God's what's gonna do it. And I'm talking about regularly. Because there's got to be a restored there's got to be a restoring of the faith that was once delivered to the saints. In every denomination out there, and I don't know how many there are. I know there's into the hundreds. But they say there's 35 major denominations supposed to be Christians in the United States. The word denomination means divider. Divider. Divider every time somebody separates from the truth and takes something out of their teaching that they don't believe to be truth it weakens the gospel of christ and there's got to be the true gospel the true doctrine of christ because there ain't but one there ain't but one true doctrine of christ the lord said in his words you go read first john he said and i believe it's in the third epistle of uh you go read the epistles of John. First, second, third John. I believe it's in the third epistle. He said, If any man come not to your house, or if he come to your house, and bring not the doctrine of Christ. Didn't say the doctrines. Plural said the doctrine. So there's only one doctrine of Christ. There's only one faith. There's only one Lord. And there's only one baptism. And there's got to be a restoring back to it. And the only thing going to restore it back is prayer. Don't thing that's going to bring in the the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Like happened at the day of Pentecost. It's going to be prayer. It's going to be prayer and seeking God. Nothing else is going to do it. Because I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've experienced in God. We do not have what the early church had. Don't have it. I've had people tell me. And, and I'm just blunt sometimes. And I don't like religion. I can't stand doctrines and teachings. That come against the Word of God. I'm just plain. I'm just pure. I'm just simple. I know what God's put in me. You can rest sure to one thing. If I preach something, God will confirm it with signs and wonders and miracles. I don't know if any of y'all get this little newsletter when you leave. This is 35 years of ministry. So that was 11 years ago that I printed this. And it's got, about a dozen notable miracles listed in here of what God done when we preached the Word and God confirmed it with signs and wonders. I ain't talking about just praying for a headache. I'm talking about short legs, crooked spines, blind eyes, deaf ears. I was talking to... uh we got a neighbor that lives right beside us. They're from Jamaica. And... His sister come over to see him, and they were just out there. So we, me and my wife's out there. We walked up and spoke to them. And I was telling her about some of the miracles that God's done over the years. And my wife said, tell her about the little girl with leukemia. It's back in 1987. Have y'all read this? Did y'all get this when y'all were here? Haven't read it yet. Okay. I thought y'all had, yeah, but but right here. This little girl right here, 1987, she come to my tent meeting, because I pastored to 2000. I mean, I evangelized 2000. So I went in evangelistic ministry in 78, under tents, and stayed under tents for 22 years. I probably had well over 200 tent revivals. I ain't talking about no three or four days. I'm talking about two and three weeks is how I run my tent revivals. These people go out here and put up a tent now for three or four days. You're wasting your time. I tell them it takes the first seven to ten days to make the devil mad. It takes the next seven to ten days to get people's spirits where they can receive. And then the last week you can have revival. And we've had revival start out with seven and eight and ten and twelve and grow to two and three hundred. Because God started working miracles and saving souls. But you know how it happened? I got out there in them tents and walked the grounds all night long. There have been many a time I prayed after service till the sun come up and pray for God to save souls and help people. But I was in Westminster, South Carolina in 1987 this little girl and I can't hardly talk about it without just getting choked up. I was talking to this lady the other day and I started crying. She had to turn around and walk away and she done herself like this because she's fixing to break out crying because I know the Lord was dealing with her. And she knows she ain't doing like the mama was standing right there. She knows she ain't doing like her mama raised her. But anyway, I started talking to her about these miracles. And and this little girl went to the doctor with her mama. Mama took the doctor. She's having trouble. And the doctor walked out and told her mama, said, 12-year-old girl's got leukemia. That mama just, she about lost it right there. So when they was riding home, the little girl looked up at her mama. And this is the little girl's testimony. She said, Mama, am I going to die? Her mama just choked back, choked back tears on her head and said, no, honey, you ain't going to die. said so they rode on in silence for a little while. The little girl said, Mama, said, God just spoke to me. She so said, if you'll take me to Brother Matter's tent tonight, get Brother, Brother Matter to pray for me. The Lord told me he's going to heal me. They brought that tent that night. I prayed the prayer of faith for her. There's a picture of her standing beside me right there 12 years old last testimony I had of that young lady, she's 22 years old, married and had two or three kids. And they was expecting her to die in six months. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God that will work miracles to confirm the word. With signs following. There's nowhere I've ever been preach this pure, clean, holy gospel of Christ. That God didn't work signs and wonders and miracles. That town I was telling y'all about was in Quambator, having hundred thousand a night, and there's about seven eight of us missionaries. And, and Sunday morning, they'd take the missionaries and they'd divide them up, send them all little Christian churches. And you had a few over there, might run a couple of hundred. But I was a little man on the totem pole over there then, and that was ninety four. And they told me there was a preacher going to come meet me Sunday morning. I met him down the lobby of the motel about 8 o'clock. And walked down and he said, you ready to go? I said, yeah, I'm ready. I said, you got a taxi? He said, no taxi. I said, okay, how are we going? He said, motorbike. <laughs> so I walked out, I had my Bible tucked under my arm. Got on the back of a motorbike and, buddy, we took off. Went down the road and then he cut off the road down what we call a pig path. We went over the river, through the woods, down this trail, down that trail. I had no idea where I was and wound up in a little village of concrete houses and stick and mud huts. And walked in that man's backyard and he had a a concrete porch about the size of that platform right there. And that was his back porch and had a hundred and something people sitting on the ground in the backyard. That was his church. That's where his church was. In his backyard. And there were about a hundred people sitting there. And so the Lord had told me, because I would prayed about three o'clock that morning. And the Lord had told me, he said, you preach on the one God. You preach on the one true living God. Because when you go to a country like that and they've got so many gods, they'll just add their God. They'll just add the God you talk about to their gods. I mean, was in a big crusade over, there and a, a a lady come up to me and handed me a book, something about I can't remember what it was now, but something like a hundred thousand reasons why thirty million gods live in the Brahma cow because they they worship the Brahma cow over there. Some of them Hindu religion, some of them, they worship the Brahma cow. So, I mean, here I was, and the Lord told me, said you preach on the one true and the living God. So I started out, and I said, now. Uh, in America, I said, the men over there were jealous of our wives. We ain't going to share our wives with no five or six husbands. And I got to preaching like that. I said, we believe in one husband and one wife. And I said, we believe in one God. And I said, you going to accept my God and I'm preaching by His name, Jesus. I said, you're going to have to give up all these other gods. And many men got up on their feet and they folded their arms and they started spiriting me. You could see the hate rising in their hearts and in their eyes. And they just stood there and tried to stare me down. And I said, all right, God. I told the Lord in my spirit. I said, now. I said, you want to do something. I said, because I'm preaching what you told me. Look right at it down at my feet. And there was a little bitty six, seven-year-old boy. The Lord said, he's deaf and dumb. He said, get him up here. I stopped and I looked at the pastor because he was beside me, interpreting for me. I said, you know that little boy? He said, yeah. I said, is he deaf and dumb? He looked at me strange. He said, yeah, how would you know? I said, the Lord told me he was. Got him up there on the porch. Got them people calmed down. All of them just standing there looking at me. And I said, get his mom or his daddy. His daddy was right there and he got him up there too. And I said, you tell them people, you ask these people right here. If God opens this little boy's ears and loose his tongue, Said, how many of them will give up their gods and take my God Jesus as the true and the living God? They just glared at me. A few of the women, a few of the men raised their hands. Most of them just glaring at me. So I got that little boy right there, and I told him to stick his tongue out. And I touched my fingers on his tongue, put my other fingers in his ears, and I looked up at the Lord, and I told the Lord in my spirit, I said, now you know you may not be in trouble. I said, but I'm in trouble. I said, I wouldn't know which way to run if I had to run. I said, but you told me you're just going to heal. This little boy is a sign to this gospel. And I prayed the prayer face of faith to that little boy and that deaf spirit come out of him, that dumb spirit come out of him. And I turned him around where he couldn't see nothing. And right back here I snapped finger. Boy, that head come around got him on this side now. that head come around and I turned him around and I took his hand and I put it on my throat right here where he could feel my vocal cords and I asked that interpreter what the Indian word for Papa was and I pointed to that little boy and I pointed up at his daddy and it was something like Poppy or something like that I can't remember now and I had his hand on my throat and I said Poppy. he said Poppy. And when he did, that daddy started crying. Had over a hundred people repent right there. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Halfway around the world, He said, if you'll lift up my name, Declare me as the true and the living God. He said, I'll do signs and wonders and miracles. He said, among the people that can't understand your tongue or your language. He said, I'll save souls and work miracles for, for people that will believe doesn't matter who they are. doesn't matter what nationality they are. We've been made one blood through the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's time to pray for restoring. It's time to pray for God to pour out the Spirit like He did on the day of Pentecost for a restoration of all things. That's where we're at. We've got to have something restored. The church has gone to entertainment. She's gone to gimmicks. She's gone to tricks. She's gone to having comedians tell jokes. So many bigger churches got what they call Christian comedians. I don't believe in it. I don't believe in it. I believe in the old path. I believe prayer and seeking God, and I believe preaching the word straight and clean and crying out against sin. And that's just the way I am. That's what God called me to do. And the Lord has put His word in His. I've been serving God forty-six years this year. And 40 of them, it's been full-time ministry. Started serving God fully when I was 19. Raised, was born in church. More or less. Born in 52, my mom and daddy received the Holy Ghost in 48. In time, I was born, my daddy was already pastoring pastor in the church. And my daddy was a man of prayer and fasting, had great miracles. And... My mom will testify. Sometimes she's ninety three, going on ninety four. She'll testify sometimes that I was born tongue tied. When I was about eight months old, she said I'd feel the spirit of God and I'd just squeal. And she said, when I was about eight months old, they prayed for me and God loose string of my tongue. And she said, well, God loose string of His tongue. Said I ain't got him be quiet since, and I ain't shut up yet because I know how real my God is. I know how real my God is. My oldest daughter was born in 1982. She wasn't very old, and she come up with some kind of blood disease. I don't know what it was. The reason I don't know what it was, I'd never take her to the doctor because the Lord gave me a dream and warned me if I took her to doctors, doctors were going to spare me up with her and kill her. And she broke out in sores all over her face, all over her body. And my wife would put her down for a nap. She'd pin socks on her hands and on her feet because she'd rub. She'd itch and rub. And I'd be in tent revivals or be in revivals somewhere and I'd pray for people and God'd do mighty miracles. And I'd take my baby in my arms, pray for couldn't feel nothing. And I knew it was a trial. I knew it was a trial. But somewhere around when she's eighteen months old. The Lord just like that just dried it up. Just dried it up. I've seen God open blind eyes and stop deaf ears. Loose dumb tongues. i pray for people with legs two and three and four inches short. Seen God grow them out even, straighten crooked spines, heal cancers, you name it. I've seen God do it. I'm not talking about just saw it. I've laid these hands on them. Am I satisfied? No, sir. Not satisfied because there's a new crop out there. There's a harvest to be reaped. But who's going to reap it? Who's going to reap it? God's trying to gather a body together and bring people together in one mind for one accord. God, God is wanting right now and He's working on it. God's getting it in place. We're going to receive the restoring of the fivefold ministry that He set in the Book of Acts church. We've got to have it. We gotta have it and people gotta to learn to labor together. Amen. People gotta to learn to labor together. I don't care what your calling is, you need a home church, you need a body of Christ to work in. Because the body's got to work together. We may be many members, but we're one body. And the Lord said, by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Amen. And, you know, when I come to the Lord, the Lord got dealing with me about my call, and that was evangelism. Now, you couldn't keep me still. I mean, I didn't know anything about the Lord. I started studying, fasting, and praying. The Lord started opening my understanding to the Scriptures. And, and I started going among the people that I used to hang with and run with. And I wouldn't be around in two or three minutes that I started talking about Jesus. I didn't know how to minister. I probably couldn't have held a microphone and talked. But I could talk to you one-on-one about Jesus. And I started talking to him. I started talking to him about Jesus. And then when the Lord dealt me about evangelism, I started going, standing on street corners and preaching, going in jails and preaching, going in prisons and preaching, going to hospitals, nursing homes and praying for folks. I started putting what was in me into effect because I knew God had called me. And what was in me, you was not going to keep it still and you sure was not going to keep it quiet. I didn't start out trying to get revivals in churches. All you got evangelists today won't do is have revivals in churches and go from church to church to church. Most of them, all they're looking for is a car payment, or a house payment, or a light bill, or a... Did I say that out loud? Where's the evangelist that'll get out in the streets? Out in the highways and hedges. They'll get in a local church and work with a pastor and say, let's have a revival. Let's go out here and win some souls and add to the church. Now, they want to travel all over the country now, and... Let me tell you something, I never, unless God spoke to me, I never called a pastor and asked him for a meeting. Not after the first two or three years. I mean, I quit adding, I was out there preaching on the street. I was a man of prayer and fasting, and I had a burden to, you know, after two or three years, I had a burden to preach and seeking God. And I might call a pastor, and and I'd, I'd go to meetings. Been in some big meetings run four and five, six thousand people a night, and I'd go up to preachers that's before anybody knew me and I'd say, uh, I'd like to come to your church and preach. Who are you? Who's your daddy? I don't know you. I didn't ask you if you knew me or not, I asked you about me coming to preach at your church. But if they didn't know you, you didn't get in. You didn't get in. But as I saw the Lord, I started having miracles, started having deliverance. Words start getting out. Door started opening. But I never one time said, if y'all want somebody to come preach for you, call me. I'm open for revivals. Waited for the leadership of the Spirit of God. Still waiting on leadership of the Spirit of God. Had a lot of invitations, turned a lot of invitations down. Had invitations to go all over the world. If the Lord don't speak to me, I turn them down. But if the Lord speaks to me, I go. Because I know. There's fixing to be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost right here in this church. I believe it was the 20th of August, the day before the eclipse. I was getting ready to close the service, and y'all can uh, find this on YouTube if you want to go to our you can go to our website, mansent from And if y'all want to know where that come from, you read the Gospel of John, the first chapter of six verse, says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. I used to come out in my tent revivals and I'd have some religious spirits there. And, you know, I'd feel folks are fighting. And I knew if I didn't either get them get their spirit right or get mad and leave, I wasn't going to be able to do a whole lot. So I'd come out there and I'd tell them, I said, y'all know I'm wrote about in the Bible. There's scripture in the Bible. I'm not, It's talking about me. They look at me and I feel that old spirit stirring up in them and I say, Bible says in the gospel of John, first chapter, six verse, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. I said, that's me. Oh man. I, I said that one night, this couple right here was in my meeting was in Calhoun, 1998, had a big tent meeting down there and I stand right beside the lady when I said it and she jumped up.
1: I ain't gonna put up this.
0: And snatched her husband. I think there's one more person with
2: him. Went out to
0: the car and buddy spun gravel all the way off the tent lot. And I used to kind of make light of that. Lord spoke to me one day. He said, He said, You quit joking about it. He said, I told your mama what to name you. He said, You're my servant. You're predestined for ordained from the foundation of the world to preach this gospel in these last days. He said, You quit joking about it. So that's what I, titled our website and our, there was a man sent from God there was a man sent from God you can go there it's got blogs it's got our YouTube channel it's got several other things on. it's got a lot of these testimonies on it and I'm mean, like I said I'm not talking about just headaches and toe aches and back aches I'm talking about notable miracles I'm talking about notable miracles when people testify and I can't even remember what year it was but since we've been up here I think all right before we come up here, there's a lady that works in Jasper in the courthouse. She's a tax assessor. And I don't remember what her name was because I never met her. But a lady wrote me. And in 93, God gave me 92. God told me to start putting these handkerchiefs in my pockets, preaching and praying with them. And he said, when I move on you, he said, you give them to people, you send them out. He said, I'm giving the same ministry I gave Apostle Paul. He said, by the hanctions and aprons. He said, I'm going to work special miracles. And we've seen God confirm it all over the world. But anyway, a lady wrote me and said she had a friend, had a grandbaby in the hospital, been in the hospital for months. Just seven, eight months old. Stayed in the hospital for months and laid to point of death down in Atlanta. And I emailed her one of these hanctions or, or overnight mailed it. And she got it to the lady, and the lady got it to her daughter. And wasn't too long after she got it to her daughter that her daughter called her crying and said, Mama, said they said together all the family and the baby's fixing to die. First thing hit her mama's heart was, did you put that prayer cloth I give you on that baby? She said, no, Mama. She said, I forgot about it. Been under so much pressure and stress. She said, you take that prayer cloth in there right now. You put it on that baby. She said, the instant. They put on that baby, that condition, turned, just like that. I mean, just like that, turned. These kind of miracles wasn't wrought by just anybody in the Word of God. It's wrought by the apostles and prophets. And I don't say this to a whole lot of people, but in 2015, Lord spoke to me that He was giving me the ministry of an apostle. Done had a couple of dreams about it. Lord done spoke to two or three people about it. And I don't have an apostle in the world on my business card because I'm not looking for a title But I believe when God bears the signs of an apostle. And God gives you a word to preach to people. And I preach a straight word. I preach a clean word. I reveal the word of God. And I don't just preach it. I do my best to live it. I do my best to live it. Amen. So. And I want to give you all this scripture. Uh, It's in 2 Corinthians 12 and 12. And then I'm going to move on to where the Lord's directing my heart. But if we won't see a move of God, don't think it's going to change its prayer. Don't think it's going to put the spirit down in this nation. Because the enemy's come in with a spirit of hate. He's come in with a spirit of division. He's come in with murder. And the devil's doing everything he can to divide this nation and tear it down politically, sexually, racially. There's a warfare, y'all know good and well, there's a warfare on against Christianity in this nation. Shouldn't be, but it is. Anybody that believes in good morality and conservative values, there's a war on against them. Anybody calls herself a Christian, there's a war on against them. There's a racial war, there's a sexual war. If you can't say amen, say oh me. Cause truth anyhow. Because people pray, God's trying to turn this nation around. I'm gonna keep praying. I'm gonna keep praying because there's coming a restoring. It ain't far off. You go listen to that prophecy. It ain't but a, I think a minute and a half long on YouTube from August twentieth of last year, the day before the eclipse. I was getting ready to dismiss this service. Spirit of God hit me. The prophecy fell on me, and the Lord said, "I'm fixing to baptize my people in the Holy Ghost in the tongues of fire, like He did at Pentecost." We gotta have something, children. We gotta have some good preaching. I ain't gonna do it. Prophesying ain't gonna do it, teaching ain't gonna do it. There's gotta be a God consciousness to get a hold of people and start driving these spirits out of people's hearts and minds that stood up in this nation because the devil's done his best to get a hold of this nation for the last forty, fifty years, and tear down Christianity and tear down the family. You realize the family's the backbone of the church? It is, it's the backbone of the church destroy the family, and you can destroy the church. And our government's just about destroyed family. When our government starts stepping in and supporting all these kids out of wedlock, start supporting single parents and and trying to take a place of a mama or a daddy, they just about destroyed the family structure. And it's got to be turned around. But when you bring the true spirit of God in, God will start, start turning things around. He'll turn a lot of things around. Amen? He will. He'll turn things around. And they're, they're, the devil's trying now. I mean, there's spirit on people. They don't want to go to church. They don't want to pray. They don't want. But yet they call themselves Christians. They want to live. They want to commit adultery, fornication, live loose, do everything they want to do. Yet, when trouble comes, they want to get a hold of everybody. Call the prayer warriors together. Let's pray. We need a miracle for this, and we need a miracle for that. Don't call me or text me or get in touch with me and say, uh, I got a nephew that needs God to move for him. He's dying and he needs a miracle. Let me tell you something. The Bible said healing's the children's bread. You got somebody out there living ungodly and unholy, I believe God will have mercy on them. But you don't just pray the prayer of faith for somebody for God to raise them up so they can go back and commit sin. You need, uh, that's not the mind and will of God. When I pray for somebody, I gotta know it's the mind and will of God. 'Cause I know what this word inside of me'll do. I know what it'll do. Because I done seen it do too many things. This man right here got thrown off a four wheeler, what? What date was it, says Debbie, you remember? Fourteenth of May? Fourteenth of May. He's on a four wheeler right there in his yard, has a little grandson on there with him, and his little grandson reached up and hit the throttle. They're sitting still, and he just didn't he just reach up and grab the throttle? And when it did, I thing in front of it went straight up in the air, took the grandson and him straight up in the air, and he hit the ground, knocked him out, hit his head. Which side of you face did it hit? He hit the ground. I mean, just like it knocked him slap out. Says, Deborah called me, and I couldn't even understand her. She was, I mean, she was. She lost it, and you can understand, because he was laying there on the ground, knocked out. Grandson was okay. She she said she called him. And but he was laying there on the ground knocked out. And she called me and I finally got her to calm down enough and get on the phone. The phone kept breaking up. Finally got to where I could hear her and started talking to her. And she told me, she said, Brother Donald knocked out. Told me what happened. And I said, You close to him? She said, I said, put your hand on him. I started praying. And the first thing the Spirit of God began to speak out of me. God do a creative miracle. Do a creative miracle. Do a creative miracle. They'd already called the paramedics. Paramedics was en route. They couldn't get him awake. Time the paramedics got there, he was starting to come to. And I don't know what God done, but they said that kind of licked him laying unconscious for ten minutes. They don't tell him what it could have done. says, Kathy, is a nurse for a long time. That could have done a lot of serious damage. Could have been something in the spinal cord separated. Could have been bad concussion. But I start praying, God, by the Spirit of the Lord, Lord, just start speaking out of me. Do a creative miracle, do a creative miracle, do a creative miracle. The time they got him to the hospital and checked him, he might, what they say, he might have had a slight concussion. Wasn't even, sure wasn't even sure about that. You tell me that ain't a miracle? You tell me that ain't an act of God? We serve a God that is merciful to his people. He said, healing is the children's bread. The children's bread don't belong to heathen. It don't belong to unbelievers. It don't belong to people outside the faith. God may be merciful and give them one. But if God gives them one, He expects them to turn and start living right and start living clean. Boy, I appreciate the Lord today. But I want to read you this scripture and it's from 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. Truly the signs of an apostle... We're wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. There's testimony. There's another newsletter letter back there. I don't think I got two or three of them left. But lady that's on the standing on the front with me. I prayed for her in June of 2009. I was at a meeting, ministers' conference down in a town called Twin City, Georgia. It was probably couple hundred people there that day it was a Saturday morning service and I called for the prayer line the church is close to 100 foot in length and people lined up all the way to the door and I prayed for people for three solid hours and that lady got in the prayer line she had crippling arthritis of the spine all over her body she had one leg about two inches shorter than the other and she had high blood pressure and God healed them all just like that Set her down that chair and prayed for and held her feet up. And I don't pull this stuff where you pull somebody's shoes. When I pray for a short leg, I make them take shoes off. <laughs> I don't pray for somebody where you can slip a shoe forward and pull a fakie. I don't need no fakes. I got the real thing. And I made her slip her shoes off and I held her feet up. You can see the difference between twenty feet. As I prayed for her faith, that foot just grew We've got some of them on video. that just grow. You can see God work that miracle. A lot of times it's in the backs, in the hip, it's in the alignment. And she she wrote her testimony in there in her own words. What God done for her? And that was 2009. She's still healed today. She's still healed today. So God has wrought great signs and wonders and miracles because He spoke to me. In 2015, to a word of prophecy, I'd had dreams. That's my mother in law sitting right back there, and I can't remember what year it was, but probably around 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. Lord spoke to her. She's in prayer. He said, You go tell John it's time for him to take up his apostleship. Lord scared her. She says, Not me. You tell him. And she didn't. And then I had two or three other people tell me, Brother Metter, I believe you're called to be an apostle. Right after the Lord spoke to me, I went to Canada and preached up there for five or six nights. And I went up there with some people. We went among the First Nation Indians up there out of Toronto in a little town out there called Thunder Bay. Preached up there. And I went up there with some uh people had been working up there. And she said, now, Brother matter." she said, don't you go in there preaching hard against sin. She said, you've got to be easy with these people. I says, okay. First night I stepped out there, I said, now. I said, it may be all right with your customs, and it may be all right with your God. I mean, with your government. And I said, if your government may endorse it. I said, your, your customs and your religion may endorse it. Of y'all living together and living out of wedlock. I said, but God that I preach does not endorse adultery and fornication. And I said, you better get your life in order. And before that service was over, a man in his 20s come up, repented, gave his heart back to God. I laid my hands on prophesied to him. He was called to preach and found out that he used to preach and his wife died. And he got bitter against God. And he... Moved in with another lady two or three years later. They had a baby together that living out of wedlock and coming to church. And done had a kid together. And they said, that was May. They said, we're getting married in June. And God got their life back together. He back to preaching. But because God raised up a standard. And the last night of the meeting, I'd had so many We started out in the church and had to move to a gymnasium. Was having so Many miracles and deliverance that the crowd kept growing and growing and growing. And they called it a Mother's Day meeting and by Sunday, which was Mother's Day. If we hadn't moved out of the church, we'd have had people standing outside. But was in that auditorium. And I was preaching against sin. Preaching about righteousness and cleanliness. And God working miracles. I prayed for a, a lady in a wheelchair. Hadn't walked in. I don't know when. God Started moving in her body and she got up and started walking and just different things like that. And my wife was standing in the back of the auditorium and a lady walked up to her and said, Tell me something. She said, What's that? She says, Your husband an apostle? She said, Well, I don't know. Why do you ask? She said, Anybody that preaches a word against sin like that and lays down sound doctrine like he's laying down and has them kind of miracles has to be an apostle. She said, Well, we'll see. So when I got through preaching, I turned service over to them so they would close out. And I come back there and just sat down in a chair at the back of the gymnasium, just sitting there. She walked up to me and said, Brother Metter, she said, you an apostle. I just kind of looked at her and grinned. <laughs> I said, could be. She said, I can tell you one thing. I ain't never heard a preacher cry out against sin like you do and preach sound doctrine. You know, Titus wrote, and he said in the 2nd Chapter, very first verse, he said, preach things and speak things that become sound doctrine. People don't have sound doctrine anymore. Amen. They don't have sound doctrine anymore. So, that will give you all about a five-minute history of what's been going on with me for the last 46 years. But God just didn't give me this ministry. It evolved. And if you go to our website and read the blog, i got a, I got a blog there about the ministry of an apostle. Because I started as an evangelist. Lord had me become a pastor. Still pastoring, eighteen years this year. Some people when the, when the Lord spoke to me through this brother, he said, You've been a an evangelist, you've been a pastor, you've been a prophet, he said, Now the Lord's calling you into an apostleship. And he said, You're gonna go. He said you're gonna plant many churches. He said, you're going to preach the mystery of the word that I gave to my apostles in the early church. So, God's got something for us. Amen. God's got a whole lot more force than what we're walking in right now. You know, there's a lot of people call themselves kingdom preachers. But their kingdom is material gain on this earth. Do you all know there's a difference between heaven and the kingdom of heaven? Do you all know that? No? Yes? No? That's the way them folks in India do me. <laughs> All I see folks in India to do something, you know, we would be over in Crusades and they look at me and go, five minutes, no problem. I said, is that a yes, no, maybe? They just, you don't know if they're saying yes or no. I believe in a place called heaven. But the kingdom in heaven and that place called heaven, two totally different things. The kingdom of heaven is the full authority and dominion of the Christ dwelling right here on this earth. You ain't going to have authority and dominion and power in heaven. You ain't going to need it. You need it down here. And when Jesus, when, when John came preaching and said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it wasn't very long Jesus come demonstrating it. Go back and read all your parables on the kingdom of heaven. And then finally, I think it's in Luke 17 is the one to really get people's attention. They said, they, they come to him told him, said, Well, you've done all this preaching about the kingdom of heaven. Where is it? We won't know. We won't see it. He said, The kingdom of heaven, you can't see it. It cometh not with observation. But the kingdom of heaven is where? It's within men. That authority and dominion of the Christ is within men. And that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to reveal. Any y'all ever pray the Lord's Prayer? I pray the Lord's Prayer every time I get down and pray. The Lord showed me way back in the 70s. I'll start out praying. If you've ever prayed the Lord's Prayer, and I just had a man about three weeks ago ask me about the Lord's Prayer. He said, he said Lord's been dealing with me to pray the Lord's Prayer. I said, Brother, I've been praying it for over 40 years. I said, everywhere I go to prayer, once a day, twice a day, five times a day. I said, I usually pray for the Lord's Prayer. He said, well, why do you do that? I said, look what it covers. I said, you give honor to God. You bless His holy name. And then you say, let Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come as it is in heaven. He rules and reigns everything in heaven. But He don't rule and reign everything in earth. Because since man surrendered this to the devil, this is the devil's territory. But He says, let thy kingdom come that thy will may be done in earth as it is in heaven. And then you go on and ask God to feed you on His word. And then you ask God to forgive your sins, even as you forgive those who trespass against Lord's Prayer covers a whole lot. It ain't something just to be recited. It's something to be prayed. It's something to be sincerely prayed. You cover a lot. You pray that every day it puts your sins under the blood. It gives you a heart to forgive those that's trespassed against you and done you wrong. Amen. So there's a lot in that short prayer. But if you pray it sincerely, God hears you. And I want that kingdom to be revealed. I want that very power that's up there to be revealed down here. Where's it going to be revealed? In here. Didn't he tell Peter? He said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. He said, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We don't have that kind of authority right now. But we're going to get it. Why? The Lord's restored. He's restored. Amen. I want you to go to Joel, the second chapter. And you all may think I'm one strange fellow. But I believe God... And I take him at his word. I do. I take God at his word. He, he, there ain't nothing playing about God with me. And you see me here in this pulpit, and you see me out on the street. I'm the same out there as I am right here. You ain't gonna be around me very long. I'm gonna talk to you about Jesus. I'm gonna exalt the name of Jesus. I'm gonna tell you about Him. I'm gonna declare His gospel. If I make you uncomfortable, you just have to get uncomfortable. Because I'm going to tell you, praying for folks in public, speaking in tongues, letting the Spirit move me to pray the prayer for faith for somebody in public, it don't bother me one bit. I ain't ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I ain't ashamed of my Lord because He redeemed me. I was on my way to hell. You hear me? Raised in church, raised up under a powerful anointing, seen mighty miracles all my life. Had the word preached straight to me, and then when I was 16, maybe 17 years old, I got out there with my friends and wanted to be just like them, wanted to go where they went and do what they done. And I tell people I never drank, never smoked, never inhaled, never took pills. Didn't want to, but I did run around out in the world because I wanted to be like my friends. I'm going to tell you, you truly serve God, it's a lonely walk. I've had people tell me, well, well, well Brother Metter, I don't want to lose my friends. I said, you really start serving God, you don't have to lose them, they'll lose you. You don't have to worry about giving up the world, the world will give you up. Amen? You really start praying and seeking God and studying the Word of God, and what starts coming out of your mouth is the Word of God and praise to God and testimonies and talking about Jesus and His salvation, his stripes, and his healing, and his deliverance, and you start your friends will give you up. World will give you up. Amen. Besides you don't need it. Ain't nothing in the world. Would the Lord what what would the apostle John write in first John two? All that's in the world. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. That's all that's out there in the world. He said, this is in you. He said, the love of the Father is not. But you know what the good thing about Jesus is? In John sixteen thirty-three, he said, in the world you have tribulation. In me you have peace. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I've overcome the lust of the flesh. I've overcome the lust of the eyes. I've overcome the pride of life. And you know why he overcome it? He was a man just like us. But the Spirit of God helped him overcome. And the same Spirit of Christ that said that He's given us help us overcome. Amen. I don't find nowhere in the Bible he was made indifferent. Than what we are, everything I read said he was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. Said he was a man. Amen. Acts two twenty two said a man approved of God, Jesus of Nazareth. Romans 1 and 3. He was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, but declared to be the Son of God through righteousness and holiness by the resurrection of the dead. I believe in Him. I believe in Him. You hear me? I believe in 46 years I've served Him. And He told me when He ministered to me in 2015 that everything that I'd seen done, He said, the best is yet to come. And I believe it. I believe the best is yet to come. Amen. Amen. Don't you love it when a plan comes together? And the Lord's been speaking to me about a restoring ever since 2015. And He, He's getting us ready. And let me ask you a question. If God poured the Holy Ghost out like He did on the day of Pentecost, how many of you ready to do something with it? You ready to do something with it? Are you in that place in your life you could totally surrender to Him? I knew a man back in the... I didn't know him. I heard of him. He's a preacher in this country. I think he's back in the 40s or early 50s. I'd have to go back and check my dates. His name was Tommy Hicks. And he was always praying he wanted to do something for God. Couldn't ever seem him get a toehold. You know, back then you had you, Oral Roberts, A.A. A. Allen's, Branham's. W.V. Grant Sr. had all these big preachers having great revivals and this man, he just never could get a toehold. Oh, he'd, you know, preach to a handful here and there. He was praying one day and the Lord spoke to him and said, go to the airport. He says, okay. He said, I want you to catch a plane going to Argentina. He told the Lord, he said, I ain't got no money. I don't have a passport. I don't have a visa. I don't have tickets. Lord said, you want to do something? He said, do what I tell you. That's back when you had to go out on the tarmac and they rolled the stairs up to the planes. You didn't have all the security and you had to walk upstairs to get the plane. says, walking upstairs, said a man come walking down the stairs, handed him an envelope. said, he opened the envelope, had his tickets, had his passport, had his visa, had all the money he needed. He just walked up, gave the ticket to the stewardess there, taking it, flew to Argentina. He got in Argentina, the Lord said, go go see the president. The president at that time was Juan Perón. So, he went to the palace, walked up to the gate, told the guard, he said, I want to see the president. The guard laughed at him. <laughs> he said, you and a bunch of other folks. He just laughed at him. He said, no, I'm serious, I want to see the president. He said, they are too, but you ain't seeing him. He said, he just went over and sat on the curb and just waited. He kept praying and said, Lord, you gave me the tickets, the money, the pastor, you gave me everything come to Argentina. Now I'm here. And said he just waited. He said it wasn't very long that guard doubled over in pain. He walked up to him, prayed faithful, and God healed him. He said, Now I won't see the president. He said, I'll see what I can do. Come out there in a little bit. I said, All right, the president will see you. I told him what happened to me. He went in. A man named Juan Peron. You can read about him in history. And he had been praying for God to send a Holy Ghost revival. That man started preaching and preached 30, 40, 50, 60,000 people for months on end. God had great miracles. Done great miracles. See, it's when God gets ready. But when God gets ready, are we ready? Because I'm going to tell you something. God ain't going to move and, and give this restored till He's got people that can turn loose everything. And be obedient to his voice. The word servant in the Bible, look it up in the original Greek word, servant means slave. It means slave. Paul said, I'm a servant of the Lord. He said, that means I'm a slave. Slave don't tell his master what to do. You got a lot of people now won't tell God what to do. Won't dictate the terms of their salvation and their relationship with God to the Lord and how they're going to serve God and, uh, uh. You really surrender the Lord, you're a slave. Amen. So I'm I'm trying to get to Joel Second Chapter. See if I can find my scriptures here. I'm going to verse twenty three. Or let's just back up to verse twenty one. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid. You beast of the field, for all the pastures of the wilderness do spring. For the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. If you read the first part of Joel, you'll find out they've been in a great famine. But here God's saying everything's fixing to be restored. The fig tree, which is a type of the sign-gifted ministry, and the vine do yield their strength. That means when some puts out its strength, it's put out everything it's got. It don't hold nothing back. When a, when a, when a tree yields fruit and he gives it his whole strength, gives it everything it's got. We fish and get everything God's got. Be glad in you children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord your God. Now I want you pay attention to what I'm telling you right here. For he hath given you the former rain moderately. Hath given his past tense. Anybody know your English grammar? Is half-given, half is it past tense? That means it's already been done. Is that right? Does it not say he hath given you the former reign moderately? Or sparingly, or in moderation? Well, the former reign is what fell on the day of Pentecost. Is everybody in agreement with that? Yes, no, maybe. Okay, so he hath given. That means he's already given you the former reign moderately. But he said he will cause to come down for you in the first month, or he'll cause to come down for you the rain, the former and the latter rain in the first month. Well, the first month of the Jewish calendar is April. I thought for years God was going to do something great in April but then in July I mean yeah, in yeah July 2015 the Lord spoke to me he said the first month is not the first month literally it's the first month symbolically he said I am fixing to give a new beginning and do a new thing so the Lord said I'm starting a new beginning he said the first month is a sign of coming out of winter he said it's a sign of new life he said it's a sign uh, of new Freshness coming out of winter into spring, out of death into life. He said the first month is a sign of a new beginning. So what the Lord spoke to me in July 2015, He said, I'm fixing to take my people in a new beginning. But to do this, He's going to just about have to have new people because you can't hardly get people to change. People believe something and they, they they believe for so long that this is right or that's right or this is God and that's God. You can't hardly get people changed. And don't think that I'm just being critical, but the majority of what people want to do is go to church, shout and sing, praise God, hear a good message and go home and feel good about themselves. They don't really want God to get out and change them. Because when you start having the Spirit of God deal with your heart and convict you, and you got to change. It upset your life. And most people don't want their life upset. They don't. But let me tell you something. The Bible said you can't serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. You're going to love the one, hate the other, or hate one, love the other. You ain't going to serve God in Maimon. You ain't going to serve God in your flesh. You ain't going to have things go your way. And have things go God's way. It don't work. It don't work. And when you really start surrendering to the Lord, the Lord puts put your life in upheaval. Give me an amen or an O. me. <laughs> in verse 24, And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the vat shall overflow with wine and oil. All right. Verse 25, And I will restore to you the years. That the locust has eaten the cankerworm and the caterpillar and the pommel worm, my great army, which I sent among you. Now, somebody tell me what Joel is prophesying here. And the Lord said, I'm going to restore. Was he going to restore the law? Then what was he going to restore? What years? Yeah, but what were those years? You go back and start reading in Joel, the first chapter, and this very same thing is there. He said, He said, the canker worm, the palmer worm, the caterpillar, He said, they eat it all up. What they eat up was what happened on the day of Pentecost. The Lord told me as soon as the Holy Ghost was poured out, the enemy set in and started nibbling at it, eating it up, and eventually moving people away from that move of God. Moving them away from it. Took a couple of 300 years, but they moved away from it. And all we've had since that time is the rains. If this don't make sense to you, somebody figure out what he's going to restore. Because that's the only thing I can see he's going to restore. He's not going to restore the meat offering and the drink offering under the law. He's going to restore the meat offering and the drink offering under the word and the spirit of God. So, he said, I will restore to you the years that the canker pill- the the caterpillar, the canker worm, the palmer worm, the locust, I may not have them in order, but God said, I'm going to bring a restored. When God poured the, now y- y'all listen to me. If you listen to me, I'll help you. But what happened on the day of Pentecost did not happen to the church. The church had not been formed yet. Everything that happened on the day of Pentecost and that outpouring was on ministry. It was on ministry. The Lord told me August a year ago, he said that what I'd done on the day of Pentecost is what Paul preached in First Corinthians the twelfth chapter on the gifts, the operations, the administrations The working of the Spirit in the church. He said, everybody, that 120 in that upper room was ordained for ministry. And he said, I gave them gifts and the anointing according to their callings. He said, because time the sun went down that day, they had 3,000 people to minister to. That was your lay members of the church. Those 120 in that upper room, that was your ministry. God gifted them and anointed them and gave them what they needed to work in their offices. You read 1 Corinthians 12. The first thing Paul said is, Brethren, I would not have you ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. And then he goes on down, starts at verse 4, explains all the gifts, gets over at the end of the chapter in 1 Corinthians 12:28, said, For God has set some in the church. First apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers. At this miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments, and diversities of tongues. So you had all them offices, all them gifts, all them helps, all them governments. You had them all in that upper room. God poured the Holy Ghost out, established the church, set it in His order, put His power in it according to His will, and anointed every one of them people to find their calling because... They had to have some kind of calling and some kind of ability, or God wouldn't never put in them what He put in them. Now y'all doing this to me again? Why, <laughs> right. brother? Matter I ain't never heard it preached like that. Okay, then where, who was the government of the church? God had to set government in the church if the church's going to be established that day. When they started forming this nation, they had set up government to lead this nation. When God formed the church, which He formed it on the day of Pentecost and poured out His Spirit, there had to be government and leadership and ability put in people for those 3,000 souls that accepted the Lord on the day of Pentecost. Yes, no, maybe. I ain't sure. I don't blame you for being cautious. I ain't never heard anybody preach like this either. And the Lord started moving in great signs, wonders, miracles, power. In the last verse of the second chapter of Acts, you know, it said through, through Acts that they went from house to house, breaking bread, having great signs, wonders, and miracles by the apostles. Why did they go to house to house, breaking bread, Brother Metter? Did they have a church that seat 3,000? Probably not. Probably didn't have a church building. Which yet God done great signs, wonders, and miracles by the hands of the apostles. Amen? And the last verse says, And as such, it should be added to the church daily, or should be saved. So they didn't only have 3,000. There was such, it should be added to the church daily. Say, so, Have you all seen folks added to the church daily? Then in Acts 5... When Peter began to walk the streets and they laid them out there so a shadow would go over them and they started having people come from every quarter, another 5,000 got saved. So just there in a matter of a couple of years, souls was getting saved, sick was being healed, people being delivered, and they they had something in them that was turning Jerusalem upside down. And as long as they kept it contained... Among the believers, that was fine. But, buddy, when Peter and John went up that temple and healed that lame man, it stirred everything up. So for that first year or so, everything was contained in the church. The Lord trained them. The Lord taught them. The Lord moved in them. Because he's getting ready to break it out. And when he healed that lame man, it broke out. And what it broke out, and people started coming from everywhere. And God started doing miracles. Then the persecution started. Then the persecution started. Amen. Y'all sure y'all ready for a move of God? Because you're ready for a move of God, you better be ready for persecution. Because the Lord said, I'm going to restore to you. What's He going to restore to us? What happened at Pentecost? But we ain't going to stay there. We're going to go beyond. Because if you read your Bibles, Paul said... That you've received an earnest. Anybody know what an earnest of the spirit is? Look, the word "earnest" up. It means a portion. Is that what the word says? I think I can find it. I'm sorry, I wasn't prepared for this. I don't have. I didn't have a one scripture mark, and the Lord just sat down on me when I walked out here. Let me see if it's in First Corinthians. I believe. Y'all, give me a minute. Well, First Corinthians, is that my Bible here somewhere? Let me see if I can find it. Whew. No, I'm not sure where it is, but I know Paul spoke a couple of times of an earnest saying we had received an earnest of the spirit, maybe it's second Corinthians. It's what? I think it's 2 Corinthians one twenty. Yeah. 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, 21st verse. Now, He which establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who has also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. You look the word earnest up, it means a portion. So what God poured out on the day of Pentecost was not the fullness of His Spirit. It was a portion. Am I making sense to you? Paul said we've received the earnest of the Spirit, which is a portion. Look it up. I use Strong's Concordance. And the word earnest and strong concordance means a portion or a measure. So they didn't have the fullness of the resurrected Christ poured out on the day of Pentecost. They had a portion. huh? First installment. It's like going down putting down payment on a car. You pay the first installment. We'll see, if that's just the first installment, then there's a fullness of the former reign that's got to come before God takes us into the latter rain. That making sense? And that's why Joel prophesied and said, For he hath given you the first installment moderately. But now, in this new beginning, he's going to cause to come down for you Not just the first installment, but the rain and the fullness, which is the latter rain. It's all going to come in. Amen. But we got to, we got to have the first installment given back to us first and then God's going to take us forward from there and we're going to grow. You got to get this and grow in it. I believe Paul and Peter. I believe they came to the fullness of the former reign because they started with a measure and then men grew. So I believe they came to the. There is a fullness of the former reign that no generations ever received yet, as far as the. And I don't know if y'all have ever heard of Marie Woodworth Eder. She ministered back in the 1800s, early 1900s. Go back 1913. And she prophesied, and they call it a hundred-year prophecy. And she prophesied and said that somewhere around a hundred years after she spoke that, that God would pour out the fullness of the former rain. That was her prophecy. That was hundred-year prophecy. I emailed it out to a lot of people about a year ago. A brother found it, sent it to me. He said, "Brother matter, I've never heard anybody talk about the fullness of the former rain except you." And he said, "I found this prophecy from Maria." Woodworth and said she prophesied in 1913 that there would be a move of God that would bring in the fullness of the former reign. Well, what did God say? I'm going to restore to you what was given on the day of Pentecost, but he ain't going to stop there. He gonna give you what was given on the day of Pentecost, then he gonna give you the rains, and then he gonna give you the latter rain, which I believe is the fullness of the resurrected Christ living in here, which is the kingdom of God. So God's preparing us for something. I know I'm giving y'all a lot of scripture. And I know y'all, some of y'all looking at me like I'm strange. But if I preach something, I got the word to back me up. I got the word to back me up. You say, Brother Meadow, we don't have what we... You see a book of Acts church right now? You see a book of Acts church right now? You see people walking the street and they're shouting of healing the sick? You see men getting ready to go in a big church somewhere and there's a lame man sitting there begging and they just reach down and grab him and tell him the name of Jesus? You see men that are turning the world upside down? Mm-mm. we got to have something. It's coming in in prayer. It's coming in in prayer. God's got His timing for it. God's got His timing for this. God's ready. He just wants us to get ready. So you take these scriptures right there in Joel. You study Joel 23 to about 25, 26. We'll just study it through the end of the second chapter. Really study it. Go back and look in the first chapter. And start asking God to Give you some understanding of it. Start asking God to give you an understanding of it. Because God's got something for us that your eye hath not seen, your ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into your heart the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. Paul spoke this 30 something years after his conversion. He was having great miracles, signs, and wonders. He was preaching to people, and they accused him, said, these men that have turned the world upside down come to our city also. Paul was having great moves of God. But yet, he said, your eye hath not seen, neither has your ear heard, neither has it entered into your heart, things God's prepared for them that love him and wait on. What did Paul say when he said, I knew a man in Christ 14 years ago, got caught up to the third heavens, and he's seen things which are not lawful for a man to utter. We don't know what Paul saw. But we know he saw things that our hearts can't think of. We know he saw things that our eyes had never seen. He heard things our ears had been. He said, I heard things and saw things ain't lawful to utter. So there's a move of God, there's a visitation. There's an act of God. That God has told us, He said, I'm going to restore. I'm going to restore. I'm not looking for good church. I'm looking for the reality of God. I'm looking for God. To, I believe that the power of the resurrected Christ, the fullness of it, can live right here. You check your Bibles in Philippians 3 and 10. Paul said, I want to know Him. I want to know Him. In the power of His resurrection. The fellowship of His sufferings. See, everybody wants to know Him in the power of His resurrection, but people don't want to get it through the fellowship of His sufferings. And He went on and said, If by any means, or that I may be conformable unto His death, go through the sufferings He went through when He died, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Paul saw that. That's, that's ye latter reign. That latter reign is the power of the resurrected Christ, the fullness of God. Well, i right here. That's your ladder rain. said, Brother Mary, you're, you're saying things we ain't never heard nobody say. Good. Maybe it'll cause us to pray and study. Seek the face of God. Because we've got to have something new. Amen. You ain't going to win this generation out here on what's being preached right now. You ain't going to do it. There ain't no deliverance. When you go out to this generation... And right now, see, when I come up, a lot of people was raised in church when I was coming up. Our government feared God. Our senators, and they used to open the Congress and the Senate with sincere prayer. But there's kids now, 30, 35 years old, ain't never been in church, don't know nothing about God. It's a generation ready to be reaped. And God's allowed it. The Lord spoke a prophecy in this church on September the 4th, 2016. Go listen to it on the YouTube channel. First thing God said was, I changed the course of man in the earth. When the Lord said that, He said, I'm bringing forth a new anointing. On March the 8th of this year, was in prayer at our house. The Spirit of the Lord come on my wife. She started prophesying a course correction for the church. She saw the Lord like a big old sailing ship. He, Jesus stepped up and took hold of to the wheel. She saw him turn it right into the storm, and she started screaming, "Said people, you better hold on, brace yourself." Said there's a course correction for the church. The church's not doing what it needs to do to win souls and bring deliverance this generation. There's got to be a course correction. The Lord's getting us ready for it. The Lord's starting it. It's already started. The Lord's bringing it in. So, if something starts. Upsetting what you believe and bringing something new. Just remember, your eyes have not seen. And your ears have not heard. Neither has it entered into your heart. The things that God has prepared for them to love Him and wait on Him. I've been waiting on God 46 years. I've seen some great moves of God. I've had some great visitations. Been through some hard trials. But I know if I don't suffer with Him, I ain't going to reign with Him. Amen. Paul said the glory, he said the sufferings of this time, it's in Romans 8 chapter, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The only glory that can be revealed in you is the glory of the resurrected Christ. It's His life, not yours. His life. It ain't going to be revealed up there. It's going to be revealed down here. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's the resurrected Christ. That's the man Christ Jesus taking his abode in you. He's both God and man. The fullness of the Godhead now dwells where? Bodily in that resurrected Christ. All power in heaven and earth is in that, it's in that man. Well, the spirit of that man now wants to live here. Amen. Is the Holy Ghost the Spirit of truth? Is the Holy Ghost the Spirit of the Christ? Is that what the Bible teaches us? Then the Spirit of that resurrected Christ can live right here. And the suffering, the pain, the troubles, the trials, the hardships that He went through as a man, we can already have the knowledge and understanding of how to walk through that. Everything that He's done, when He comes in, it'll be revealed to us. You won't make the mistakes. You won't fight the battles He had to fight. Why? He's already overcome. He's already overcome. And He'll live in you. I hope I said something to help you today. Hallelujah. If I said something make you mad, just pray through over it. Because <laughs> I'm not... I didn't come to offend. The Lord has put me right here. I don't know why. I was happy being an evangelist in 2000. And I was doing some... Re- work on our house February 2000 and I slept on a tin roof and slid off the roof and went down 22 feet and landed on my stomach busted my back up the Lord put me flat down but I refused surgery and I waited I got a disc in my back mashed flat as a pancake but I don't live in pain I don't live limited. I don't live in suffering. Did the Lord heal me immediately? No, sir. I went through some pain. I went through a spirit of depression that attacked my mind. And after about a month, I stayed in the hospital bed in my own bedroom for two months. And about a month went by. I'd wake up. There'd be a dark cloud in the corner of my room. And a voice spoke out of that cloud every morning. Said, you fail God. You never preach again. You'll never have another miracle again. You never fulfill. You call a God. God's rejected you. God's don't have no use. I went through that. And that thing talked to me for three weeks. And a good friend of mine has gone on to be with the Lord now. Come over and sit down in my living room. He had a great miracle deliverance ministry back in the 50s and 60s. His name was Franklin Walden. He'd become a good friend. he come up and down in my living room. Talked to me and told me some things. He went through and just walked over and prayed for me. Took me by the hand and prayed for me. And that spirit left. But I went through a lot of pain. Went through a lot of torment. What was it? A trial. Get me ready for something greater. When God gets ready to elevate you, you can rest assured. God's going to put you to the test. See if He can bring you up. God is not going to bring you into a greater anointing or walk with God in your life till he tries you and proves you. So if you feel like you call of God and you go walk you're gonna be put to the test. You're gonna be put to it physically, mentally, spiritually, and financially. God's gonna try you to see if he can trust you. Does anybody in here trust the Lord? Everybody trust the Lord? Can the Lord trust you? Can the Lord trust you to do what's right in his sight? If the Lord give you the power of the kingdom to say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, can He trust you? Can He trust you with power over demons and devils? Can He trust you with power over His creation? Speak to the winds and rains. You know, I used to preach on faith. About all I preached on that evangelistic field was faith, healing, and deliverance and salvation because I reaching for souls. And I'd be preaching, and I'd stop, and I said, now you ladies, and I said, I know how my mama is. I said, every two, three weeks, I said, my mama moves furniture all over the house. I said, she'll move the couch, the living room chairs, the dining room table. She'll reposition the bed. I said, I've heard my daddy say more than once, it's a good thing I'm not a drinking man, he said, because I'd come in and kill myself the way you move stuff around. I said, now, I know how my mama is, and I said, Lord, I ain't going to give you ladies this faith. For y'all to say, well, Lord, put that mountain over there let's see what it looks like over there. <laughs> no, I don't like it over there, Lord, put it over here. <laughs> Just in fun. But the Lord loves us. And He's got something for us that no other generation's ever tasted of. And it's ours. If we can submit to Him. And be led by His Spirit. Amen. It's ours. No generation's ever had this. No generation's ever had this. So we got something to look forward to. Amen. Would you go to prayer with me? Father, I thank you for this word. Lord, I ask you to bless it. Sanctify it in our hearts. Let it find good ground. Lord, we need people to pray. We need people to press. We need people to seek your face. God, we need people to come together in unity. Let's fight for this faith that was once delivered to the saints. We give you honor and glory and praise for your holy child Jesus, for what he's done. Lord, for what you've prepared for us. God, I want my inheritance. You said we are heirs to you, holy God. But we are joint heirs with Christ. Let us have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand. We give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Do y'all know what joint heirs an equal heir? It's an equal heir. Paul said in Romans 8, he said, We're heirs to God, but we're joint heirs with Christ. He's given us the privilege to become as He is. Look at your Bible in 1 John four seventeen. He said, as He is in this world, so are we. In this present world. He said, as He is, so are we in this present world. we can be just like Him. I believe in Him. Amen. I appreciate the Lord today. Does anybody here need prayer? I will pray the prayer of faith for you now. If I pray the prayer of faith for you, it's different than the Spirit of the Lord coming on me and God speaking to me. Because when God speaks to me, and a move by the Holy Ghost. I mean, there's miracles happen. I had a dream, I don't remember how many years ago it was, but I had a dream. And I was in a a, a ministers conference. And I had a dream that morning that I was outside. We were standing in a cabin kinda of out in the woods at a state park, and some kind of wild beast ran out of the woods at me and I spoke to it in the name of Jesus. Turned around and went back in the woods. The scene of the dream changed. And I heard a woman scream. And when I went in the direction of the scream, there was a woman laying on the ground. She's kind of sitting up. There's people gathered around her. When I got through the crowd, this bone right here in her leg had broke clean into it, and It had come through the skin. It was sticking out. And she's just pouring blood. Spirit of the Lord come on me. And I walked up to her. Put my hand down on her leg and spoke in the name of Jesus. The bone went back together, went down the leg, and God sealed it up. That's the kind of miracles I believe God's fixing to do. And I just got a notification the other day that a lady I know fell. And I think it's this part of her arm right here. They, they posted the x-ray, and the bone was totally broken too. Didn't come through the skin, but I felt led of the Lord to call her and pray for her. And I believe God's gonna put that bone back together because I felt that creative faith. Started praying for it, I felt it. I felt it, I believe it. Because I know what God showed me. And when I feel the working of the Spirit of God and I act on it, most of the time god to do a creative miracle or do a, a major miracle. So I believe God. Amen. I'm always stepping to exercise faith because I believe. I do. I believe Him. Anybody need prayer? If you do, I want to pray the prayer of faith for you. Have you enjoyed this Word today? Keep us in prayer. Come on, brother. It's like you're moving kind of rough there. My
2: back gives me trouble. My neck,
0: my tail hurts it. I
2: want to do a work for God. A lot of people don't believe in see faith Making vows to God, I've made every vow. I've made ten or eleven vows okay. to, to God. Okay. Okay. And part of them are to be able to do a work for the body of Christ. All right. And I want God to honor all those vows. Okay.
0: All right. Do You believe He's faithful?
2: Oh yes. Okay. Amen. Amen. Well, I
0: believe if you're faithful, He'll be faithful. You're right. I Amen. do. You know, God don't move on our time, and in our time, so many times. Have you injured your back?
2: Yeah, uh, my got a vertebrae off out. Okay. Car fracture finally kept on until he got it
0: back in. Kept working on it. Yeah, yeah.
2: It but has. it won't it won't
0: stay in, will it? Or has it so far?
2: It has, but I, sometimes I cough and that you can feel. I understand. Coming out and it my low. I see it right there. Right there? Yep. Brother Donald,
0: come here. Hold this for me. Yep. You believe the word says the prayer of faith will shave the sick and the Lord will raise them up. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray, pray, pray the prayer of faith for you. I ain't worried about what you feel. I'm going to speak God's word and I'm going to stand on God's word and I'm going to believe it. Thank Amen. You, so Thank you me. got a you got a vertebrae back there that pops out. Have you injured anything back there?
2: I've got my low back, my mid back, my neck, all hurts me. And nerves, sometimes it is I it have, just
0: deterioration or was it an injury?
2: It was a, their, their injury. Okay. Their injury.
0: So you fall, car wrecks, accidents?
2: I was hit by a petroleum
0: truck. Okay. All right. All right. Trouble. You believe the Word, that the prayer of faith?
2: The prayer of faith shall save the sick.
0: And the Lord shall... Raise Him up.
2: up. Ho! Thank You, Lord.
0: In the name of Jesus. I speak of In Jesus' name, make Him whole. From the top of His head to the soul. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I believe it. I believe it. Don't doubt it. Take Him at His Word.
2: Paid in full. All right. And one of them is anointing to preach the gospel. And I want the spiritual gifts to be in operation. Okay. Gift of faith, the gift of healing. Okay.
0: You and, believe you're called to that?
2: Yeah, the gift of working okay. miracles, the gift of prophecy, and okay. the gift of concerning spirits. Okay. And you've got to have them together in order to be yes, able you do. to do what God is doing. Yes, calling. you do.
0: You believe you're called to that?
2: yeah, yeah. yeah I know I am. Okay. I am. You
0: believe you know what, what the God? Word says?
2: Yeah. I do.
0: That if any two shall what? Agree. As touching any what?
2: anything,
0: In my name. In his name. That he will. will Alright. Amen. Amen. Are me and you two? Yeah. So We're you're right. one and I'm one. So one yeah. one's two. Yeah. So if any two agree. shall agree. Shall agree. Thank you, mm. I agree. I put my faith with this man's faith. God, you honor this request and you do what your word says that if any two shall agree as touching anything, in thy name Jesus at your time and according to your word and will, bring it to pass. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I believe it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Have you ever checked, see if you got one leg shorter than the other? Sit up real straight. Can you stretch your legs straight out in front of you? Just sit up real straight. Sit there on the end of the bench. Can you, can you, can you stretch them out? No, you're pretty even. Yeah, yeah it looked pretty even. I, I noticed one shoulder was dropped. So a lot of times when you see that, there'll be one leg short or little out of a line in the hip. But you look pretty good. I can feel better right here, but I can feel that feeling already. Yeah, it, it, it's the Word. Okay. The Lord's going to take care of every one of them. As long as you're faithful, He's faithful. Amen. As long as, as long as you're faithful to God, He's faithful to keep His Word. He does not fail. He does not fail. He cannot fail. His Word is forever settled in heaven from the foundation of the world. It cannot fail. So if you're faithful to Him... That word's gonna take care of itself, Amen. Anyone else need prayer? I appreciate this service today. Hallelujah. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> she been spring cleaning, so she kind of wore some stuff out. Let's let's get him to do it. Oh, Oh, hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Right there. (laughs) My God is real. Amen. My God is real. I believe in Him. I don't pretend. I don't make excuses. You know, when I first started coming to the Lord and praying and fasting and studying, I go to somebody and I say, I try to get him to explain the scripture to me, and they said, "Well, the Lord didn't really mean that. He meant this." And after about telling me that about four or five times, I said, "Well, if the Lord didn't mean what he said, why didn't he say what he meant?" I just see when something's not active in people's lives, they try to make excuses why it ain't active. It ain't God's fault. See, the one or two things—it's our fault, or it ain't God's time. There's only two ways about it. Amen. That's the reason we need a restoring of the body of Christ. We need a restoring of leadership ministries to lead people in something besides a good shout and a jump and a dance and a jerk. Teach them to pray. Teach them to seek God. Teach them spiritual warfare. There's so many people now don't know anything about spiritual warfare. They don't know how to wrestle against forces and powers. And it upsets people's lives. And people stay bound in these things because they don't know how to fight. I try to teach people how to fight. I try to teach folks what they're up against. So, I believe the Lord meant what He said, and I believe He said what He meant. Amen. Hallelujah. All hearts and minds clear. I'm going to ask you if you would to help us financially. Y'all see we're just a small church, but the Lord's put me here, and I'm going to stay here. As long as the Lord allows me, I left the church in Alabama. Just depending on the day, it could run anywhere from 40 to 60 people. We started out with just a handful, and built it up, and then it fell off, and then we built it up. Y'all know how that goes. But the Lord told me to come up here and leave everything behind. I had a business. The Lord told me to come up here. And when I come up here, the Lord said, walk away from it. He said, I want you to give yourself continually to prayer. And the ministry of the Word according to Acts 6 and and whatever verse it is. But the Apostle said we will not leave the Word of God and serve tables. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry. And that's where God's got me. And I can't do nothing else. I just can't do nothing else. I've got to give myself to the Lord. And I've prayed for this position for years. That I get the place that all I've done was seek God and study and pray. And that's where God's got me. And that's what I'm doing. So... We got the radio broadcast every Sunday. We got bills here for the church, insurance, light bill, different things. Me and my wife have personal needs. I mean, we just like y'all. We got a water bill, light bill, car payment. We got a mortgage, and I got to trust God for every one of them. So we need you to help if you will. Because I'm doing my best to preach the truth and be obedient to God's voice. And I pray this word really got down in your heart. Because there's there's a depth to this word I didn't even touch. But God wants to do something in us. But please, all I'm asking you, be obedient to the voice of the Lord. The Lord says, honor the Lord with thy substance. And with the first fruit of all thy increase. That's in Proverbs. Lord says, if you do that. I'll cause your presses to break out with new wine and your barns to be filled with plenty. Amen. In Luke 6, he said, Give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaken together, running over good measure. Shall men give to your bosom. I believe God's word. So, got a basket sitting here. If you got a tither an offering for the church. If you want to do something, help me and my wife over here on this side. You can put something in over here. So, just do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. That's all I'm asking. God bless you. I appreciate you. Hallelujah. Bless you, brother. I appreciate y'all coming. It's good to see y'all. Appreciate you coming. God bless. Thank you, Jesus. Pop, it's good to see you. It's good to see you, man. I've missed you. Says Kathy. I bless you. It's good to see you. Love you, too. You know, if we get everybody here at one time, we'd have a half a houseful. Amen. If we get everybody back at one time, we'd have half a house full. And that's all right. But we got some people that live far away, we got some people that are as a matter of fact, the lady that owns the church building, her husband has had a stroke and he's in rehab and She's having to spend a lot of time with him, and Sister Kathy's got her mother at home with her. She's having to take care of her, so she don't get to be here all the time. My niece lives an hour and a half away, and Brother Donald, Sister Deborah, and them, they live down in Calhoun, and they drive in. So, And then there's sister that was here last week, Sister Candy. She has to work every other Sunday, so but somewhere the Lord's going to get us all together. Well, I had a good time with the Lord today, did y'all? Go ahead and give the Lord a good clap offering. Come on, Lisa. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let my wife say a word and dismiss y'all. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Uh, if you don't have a home church, you're welcome to come be with us. Make this your home church. If you got a home church, I by no means will try to get you out of it.
2: Amen.
1: I think it was three, maybe four weeks ago when I ministered. pastor couldn't be here. Um, I talked to you all about praise and God inhabiting our praises. And I put a challenge before the congregation to go home that week. And every time something difficult or frustrating or aggravating came up, to praise. To just stop and find something to praise God about. And in the course of that ministry... I was talking about my mom who's on hospice with Alzheimer's and how that the word had been given that God was going to raise her up and how that somewhere in the midst of us, Dad and I taking care of her and just seeing her day-to-day, no improvement, in fact, declining. It wasn't that we didn't believe, but you kind of get that focus. And especially as a nurse, I start nurse thinking instead of God thinking. And... um So we just kind of lost sight of, I don't know, that confirmation in our hearts or something. So I looked at Dad and I said, today we change our thinking. Today we reset that course. And we're going home and we're going to start speaking over her. And we're going to start believing God and we're going to start receiving that healing. And we did, immediately we started that. And since then she has begun smiling again. There's been a time or two she's either said thank you or I love you, and the only thing that we would get out of her would be garbled (laughs) non-words. And I say that to say this, God inhabits the praises of His people. And one morning I was talking to her, I always try to, spend a few minutes before I go to work just talking to her and telling her I love her and those kinds of things. And I told her, I said, now, Mama, Daddy and I are believing for you. And you once told me that he was the greatest physician of all, that you knew who he was. I said, that's Jesus. And I want you to fight, Mama. I want you to fight. And she looked at me and her eyes got open. And I believe that put a fight in her that she had lost somewhere along the way, just from day to day, mundane, laying in bed, somebody having to change me, somebody having to feed me. This was a woman who could put plumbing under her own trailer, reduced to this. Well, that's not God's plan. And and Daddy said that he knew a man that said that God had never healed anyone. There's no record of God ever healing anyone of Alzheimer's. I said, my mama can be the first. I thank God for what He's doing, because I believe it's real. Amen, Standy feet, <laughs> you know, I was coming up the road this morning, Brother Donald. I got so excited you were talking about praise. It was all I could do to stay back there because um I don't know if it was in my sleep last. Last night or this morning or when, but I could see myself standing up here talking to y'all about praise again and how God inhabits that. You want to be in His presence? Praise Him. Praise Him. That's where He lives. He lives in our praises. Amen. And I could see us here at church and I'd say, Brother Donald, what has God done for you? What can you praise God for? And you would shout out something. And I would say to Sister Deborah, what's God done for you? What can you praise Him for? And we went all over the congregation and people shouting out things that God had done for them. And how He just came down His Spirit and flooded this place. Because He inhabits our praises. I challenge you to continue praising Him. It's easy to praise Him when things are going well. It's easy to praise Him when all the bills are paid and everybody's healthy and there's gas in the tank and food on the tank. That's easy. But can you praise Him (laughs) in the storm? Amen. Can you? Well, if you got nothing else to praise Him for, you can praise Him because He loves you. He loved you when nobody else did. He loved you when everybody else did. He loved you when you pleased Him. He loved you when you didn't please Him. He loves you unconditionally. So if you got nothing else this week to praise Him for, praise Him for His unconditional love and watch what He does. Father, we thank You for this day and we thank You for Your Word, God, because it's truth and it's power and it's life to them that believe. And this morning, God, we believe Your Word And we believe it to be true. Bless each one of us and help us to go forward, God. Determined and committed to find our place in your ministry, Lord. That we can be a light, effective for the upbuilding of your kingdom. And we do give you praise. Bless this offering, God. Multiply it. Make it more than sufficient for the needs of our pastor and sister Lisa. And for the needs of this church. And we do praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.